Yeah, so I got to be honest with you. You know, we have the brains to provide ourselves with the warm, dry, safe shelters. Who in their right mind goes camping? I don't get it. I don't know. I mean, people who just uh, want to get into nature and, you know, get naked and roll around in the leaves. Oh, wait a minute. We're rolling. Oh, all right. Well, then let's roll. Hi, I'm Rich. And I'm Mark. And we are Two, two guys, guys on Block Island. So we have a guest today, a friend of mine, I've known him a long time. He currently is not living on Block Island, but he spent a good two decades there. And uh, his name is Todd Correa. Welcome to the uh, podcast, Todd. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm honored to be here. It's nice to meet you, I should say, yes. as well. We've never met. Well, I've, no, we haven't, I've, but I've seen your caricature, and it's spot on. Oh, it's thank you. Spot, whoever did that. <laughs> I is, did that. That's you why. Did? Yeah. <laughs> I could see that in like the Midwest on a billboard and go, oh, I know those guys. Yeah. I, I showed someone our logo, and they were like, which one is you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, they're so similar. You it's know? funny. We right. both, at, at last when this thing started last year, towards the end of the season, I think, or sometime you and I started getting recognized around the island by tourists to be like, Oh, you're the guys from the thing. Yeah. A little bit. Are you one of the guys? I'm like, yep, maybe I could be. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Yeah, exactly. You know, that's how people used to say at the restaurant, are you the owner? I'd be like, um, did you like the food? How was everything? Yeah. Oh, it's just amazing. I'm like, of course I'm one of the owners, (laughs) you know? So anyways, otherwise I just say, no, no, I'm not going to, Go do the dishes or uh, cook yeah. or something, you know. So. Yeah. so anyways, I've never met you, which yeah. is cool, but uh, Rich has told me a ton about you, and uh, you seem like a really interesting guy, quite honestly. Not really. Well. Not so much. Let's- all right, listeners, get ready for a not interesting interview <laughs> at all. Wake up, Mark. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. George Washington, crossing the Delaware. Again. All right, since I know more, why don't you start him off? Okay. Because this is the easy question, Todd. We ask all of our guests this. Um, what's your block Island story? When did you get to the Island? Um, how did you get there? I mean, not like by boat, but who brought you out there? Um, with George Washington crossing. With the George, yes. And the, he made a left and went North and dropped you off, then went back and finished crossing the Delaware. That is check that one off the list. Um, depends which direction he was crossing yeah. and whether it be a right or a left. Right. Was know. he going or coming back after whatever he did on the other did side? Did he cross it more than once? I don't know. Um, oh so basically how did you get to block Island? On the boat. <laughs> there we go. Okay, it's, next question. Okay. Um, <laughs> is this going to take long? Because I, I have a thing in 20 minutes. I'm sorry, are we keeping you? <laughs> uh, like, well, my grandfather was the funeral director on the island. What's so, a funeral director? Funeral. Was the, oh, was funeral the, director. My grandfather was the undertaker. Um, he was the undertaker on the island for many years. Um, what time period was that? Late 60s, early 70s, probably. Oh, okay. So he had a house um, up across from where Annie Hall's house is. Oh, yeah. Yes, yep. that, um, um, that was the old funeral home. That was my, yeah, that was my grandfather's house. That was. That was in the, the actual, the rooms are separated by a, some doors. So yes. the, the viewing room was on one side and downstairs was the embalming room. I've been in that house because um, it was for, when I first got out there for a number of years, it was being rented seasonally right and some people that i knew lived in there and we would kind of just hang out in there but that was your that house was, that was the family house room uh haunt, it was haunted from what i've heard 
I don't think so. As kids, we were never allowed in the cellar because he had an actual. You used to be able to drive a hearse around and take a you know a body out and do his embalming thing, and so we were never allowed in the cellar. Usually never, unless we snuck in. But why? Because it was too dangerous, or yeah, that's a different question. Have you you never been in the cellar? (laughs) No. (laughs) Were you never allowed, or did you never go in the cellar? Stay out of the cellar, Todd. (laughs) Uh, My grandfather was very professional. Very old school, so there was no, you didn't kid around, you know, there was not yeah. uncommon for us to have dinner in the house while there was a body in a casket in the next room, but the door was always closed, it was always very, yep. he was very yeah. proper. Yes. So, I will say, as I remember, um, so Spencer Smith, who my son is named after, Spencer Smith was a, an islander and a lobsterman, and he had seven kids, and I don't know if you remember, he had a boat called the Seven Up. Oh, I remember the boat, but I don't know if I knew Spencer. So anyway, before I, before this gets too far along, he... Spencer Smith. Oh, we got all day. <laughs> I got I got a thing. In a couple, okay. I got to make a call. Uh, he never had a driver's license. He used to walk to the harbor every day and go fishing and, uh, you know, sell his fish and come back every day. So long story short, my uh, he rented the house behind where my grandfather was. And when his family got bigger, I may get this not completely right, but when the family got bigger, he wanted to buy the house. And my grandfather sold him that house for a dollar. Wow. Yes. You know, for a dollar because he was a hardworking guy with seven kids and, you know, a wife and no car and worked his butt off fishing every day. So, and that's the kind of man your grandfather was. That's the story. So fast forward, you know, 20 years later, my parents got divorced. We moved to the island. I was a little kid. I was in, I think I was second grade or something. And Spencer had moved up to strip gut up by the airport and we rented a house from him. And there, you know, it was, was, there was government cheese and government milk in the house. You know, my parents had divorced. There wasn't really any cash and, and, uh, miserable old bugger that he was. He, uh, I was probably the only kid with like a a slice of a white bread, wonder bread with government cheese on it with a bowl of lobster bisque (laughs) (laughs) to dip it in codfish cheek sandwich. He has a bit of dipping sauce to go with that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can remember like, you know, lobster claws as a snack. Meanwhile, my mother's like making powdered milk, you know, to give me something for dinner (laughs) with my meatloaf and, and I've got lobster claws to snack on. Well, a famous old adage is, I mean, lobster is what prisoners were fed. Right. Slave food. Yeah. Yeah. Muscles and lobsters. No, you know, no, no self-respecting white man would ever eat a lobster or or mussels. Bottom feeders. Yep. Wow. You know, and, and we had, you know, being in the restaurant business for, uh, whatever, 20 years, um, you know, and when there'd be tough seasons and there'd be good seasons. And when, during a tough season, we didn't make any money because, you know, two weeks at the end of the season could really make or break you, you know, obviously two hurricanes in a row. And that's where you're supposed to be making your, your gravy. You've now paid the rent. You've paid everybody for the spring. And I used to just say to my wife, well, we sure do eat good though. You know, not, right. much, yeah. of a, not much of a paycheck, but got but, some nice filet mignon on the table. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's some wine left over, yeah. maybe like a couple, two, three pallets. <laughs> I tried. Wine. I tried paying some bills, but the <laughs> lost steak. The, the block on power company sent back the steak. They yeah, like, yeah, no, that's not. We're gonna need a check. Sorry. We, oh, <laughs> would you? Before we go too too far, so would you venture to say? I mean, I'm I'm guessing based on your timeline that your grandfather and the funeral home was probably the last time there was actually a funeral home on Block Island, because now yes. for the listeners yes. who aren't familiar with Block Island, you know everything. People, our loved ones, when they pass away, if they pass away on the island, we we send them over to the mainland. They get picked up by a funeral home from the mainland. So that would have been the last time that there that was, was actually a, a funeral home, and you could 
of the viewing and everything on the island. He'd bring the hearse over, he'd bring the limousines over. Um, He kept, there was a little garage next to that house and there was always a limousine in there, which, you know, back in the day before, before the internet and everybody having a camera, we used to swipe the limousine once or twice a summer and put a keg of beer in the middle of it. Cause it's the old school with the, uh, what do they call them? The suicide windows? Yeah, you know, suicide divide doors, or, yeah. Or suicide doors, <laughs> and they had the privacy glass. Yeah. So once or twice a summer, you know, some of the usual shenanigans, <clears throat> Littlefields, we'd, uh, <laughs> we'd swipe the limousine and go do a, you know, go do a round of golf, hit every bar in the island, and put a keg of beer in the front, and drive around and act like idiots. Yeah, we, we try not to drop names, Kirk and Russell, on the show. <laughs> <laughs> because, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Drop away. Let's crush them. Yes. So that sounds like who a was fun the ride. chauffeur of the limousine during these island cruises? I have no comment. Nobody was driving the car. I just <laughs> I don't knew think how it, to go. I don't think it mattered. Yeah, it was, uh, that it was, means it was my wife. <laughs> <laughs> That's I know that answer. And actually, actually, be, you know, before we get too far along, I would I have a um a funny, very embarrassing anecdote about your lovely wife. At some Let's point. hear oh, it. Good. I, I mean, I don't want to fast forward to that, but Let's you can fast go forward. Ahead. What it. the heck? We'll jump back. Let's not forget where we left off. Okay. Well, many years ago. Um, Patty was working at Finn's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, I I knew you, and I sort of knew her, but I just, uh, she always struck me as one of the most beautiful women. She was just so oh, pretty. Oh, still is. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure it still is, of course. I hope she doesn't listen to this episode. And, you know, I can't tell you where my car keys are right now, but I remember this day like it was yesterday, and I got up, you know, it's the classic little kid thing. I got my nerve up. You know, I probably combed my, well, I probably had too much hair, whatever. I got the nerve up, and I went up to her, and I, very in a roundabout way asked her out for dinner yeah you know i, I want to go on a date with her and, and she was very very sweet and she just kind of looked down at me and said that's real that would be a lot of fun um I, i'm gonna have to ask rich and then i did the connection in my head and i was like oh shit <laughs> he is gonna stomp me oh no man. no to be honest when i when when I, I say brought when i invited patty to come to block island we weren't you know a thing at that time, you know, I really wanted us to be a thing. I'm going to be honest, you know, and that's how it worked. And I use Block Island as a magical tool to show her what a great guy I am. And, you, you go know, on <laughs> you know, show I, you, you know, my said, weird uh, world that yeah. I've been inhabiting. And she came out. Yeah, she. I think she started at Finns when she was 18, wow. 18 or 19. We were, we were, we were very young then. Yeah. So I mean, well, that's a very nice. Todd, story. you never know, man. In an alternate universe, there's a there's a there's a version where Patty says yes and like Ooh. dumps Rich, and you and I are running this podcast now. So there's <laughs> there's still time. There's there's, a, well, there's still a chance. I don't know. There's, it depends you know. if you believe in string theory <laughs> so and wormholes. You're saying there's a chance. Yeah. <laughs> so <you're> saying, yeah. <laughs> if you were the oh. last man on earth, yeah. Oh. Well, Block Island's a weird place, man. Yeah. Lots of funky stuff happens out there. Yeah. You so never know. So now you. You're in the limousine driving around getting drunk um, with your friends and uh, you're in your teenage years now on Block Island and still in high school and you're going to the Block Probably. Island school. Did you know gr- I uh, I went to third and fourth grade, I think there. OK. And that after fourth grade, you we left. Moved, the, you, right, we, uh, my mother got remarried, so we moved back to the mainland. Okay. Got sick of lobster. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Who, I mean, how much lobster bisque can you eat? You know, I mean, honestly, yes. there, when there was like, a lot, p- yeah, when we had a refrigerator full of pimento loaf, you know, that one Wonder Bread, which is delicious. So. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. answer is twelve bowls, by the way, for me personally. Um, 
So then, so you moved off, but you continued to vacation on Block Island. Oh, yeah. You came back to work, or nope, what? we're classic summer people. You okay, know, summer before we moved here, and summers after we moved back to the mainland, and then after a couple of very successful failed attempts at college, I came back to the island for <laughs> ten <laughs> years or something, and. And it took me a minute do? to catch that one. I like that. Very successful, Very failed, successful attempts. failed attempts. I like that. All right, all right, good. Uh, I think I stayed for about 10 years. I moved to California to get famous and rich. And How'd made, that work out? Uh, I had enough money to drive back after a couple of years. All right. And, uh, and then stayed for another 10 or, I don't remember. What were you tra- hoping to do, act? Were you acting, uh, just entertainment, or like get I famous? Really, I didn't really have a plan. Okay. You know, I didn't like to rush into it. <laughs> have a plan. What years were you out in California? Early, early nineties. Okay, so you did ten on block year round. Oh yeah, and then give or take, then a then a Cali break. Yep, and, and then, then back to block. Probably out. another. So during those first ten eight, years, ten. what did you do out there? I, if I did, were you com- did you do some commercial fishing? Yep, I worked for uh, Gary Hall. Okay, and uh, I worked for John Swenton, which is you know there is not a nicer man in this plant than John Swenton. Oh, yep, he was uh, great. I, so I was working the door at the kittens. And living in one of the houses behind ah. the apartments. And God bless John Swenton. He's such a good man. He, you know, I'd work all night. And then, of course, we'd drink the rest of the night. And then I'd stumble back at like three or four in the morning. And I'd wake up at five with him pulling me by the feet, trying to get me out of bed because we had to go lobstering. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> Sounds about right. Go down the boat, throw up over the side, <laughs> clean yourself up, and go lobstering <laughs> that day. Yeah. Yeah, so that was uh and and again, listeners, John Swinton is the owner and proprietor of Twin Maples, which is yes. a bait shop on Block Island. They do boat rentals, cottage rentals, all that stuff. But really nice, uh, nice location. Been there forever. Been know? there forever. Those were military cabins back in the day during the war that his father ran, that Mackie Swinton ran. Somebody told me, was it a guest that told us that those arrived accidentally? They were shipped to the wrong island. And it was just cheaper to sell them to, or give them to someone I there than to correct. take them away and re-put them somewhere. Really? Yes. We'll, we'll get, I never heard we'll, that. Maybe we'll dig into the dirt on that one. It could be totally incorrect as half of the info on this podcast right. is. But, yes. But, if we're um, lucky. I, I, I'd heard that that happened. Like, I believe they were, you are correct. They were sending these military cottages to set up a camp or a base, yep. mini base somewhere. And they're like, this isn't Martha's Vineyard. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's kind of what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Maybe they wow. were supposed to go to Plum Island. <laughs> or maybe they came from Plum Island. Yes, John was a wonderful man. Is I shouldn't say was. John's a wonderful man. Yeah, very patient. He's now his dad passed away. How was Mackie to you? Did you like him? Mackie was one of the. You know, they always say youth is wasted on the young. When you're young, you don't have a lot of perspective. And I spent a fair amount of time with Mackie and didn't necessarily realize, you know, what a force he was. He was a good man. He was older, you know, when I knew him. He was a good man. He used to make us. Tuna fish sandwiches on white bread with, with butter, you know, and pickles. <laughs> he'd make it all himself every day, and he'd make apple squares, you know, just. And then he'd sit in the bait shop, and you know, you'd bring in a reel that was a little bit gritty, and you just want to drop it off and come back and pay twenty bucks and pick up your reel. But you had to stay and get admonished for forty five minutes about how kids are ruining <laughs> the world. Oh yeah, everything yeah. you need to know is on mm-hmm. AM radio. Yeah, you know, and this is the problem. Are you listening to me? Are you listening? Are you, this is the problem with kids, and you think. <laughs> 
I just want to get the sand out of this rear <laughs> I just, I gotta go. But that was like, that was the price of, yeah. you know, like if you went to see Catherine Champlin to try to go fish in her pond, you had to sit and have tea. Oh yeah. I just yeah. want to go fishing for a couple, but you sat and you had tea with her and, you know, funny Frank and you sat there and you listened and you chatted and she caught up with your life. And then that was the price. So. Which was a very small price to fish in a spot like that. I mean, you just can't even... You know, that's one Absolutely. of those pristine Block Island locations and an amazing, you know, this you can't pay to find that anywhere. No kidding. And P.S., that technique is is not uncommon. We've had a few of our guests mention that um, that style of entrapment that certain <laughs> elders on the island will use to, uh, you know, have someone to talk to for a little bit. For example, Michael Bryan's mother, I believe, used to lock herself out of the Sullivan house intentionally yes. so that... But she would call from the phone inside and call down <laughs> to. She would call ahead down to the police station for uh, who's the chief that it was it Billy McComb at the time or I no Vin McAloon I can't remember. Yeah, and then she would hang up the phone, go outside, <laughs> make sure the window was unlocked, lock the door, and wait for him to show up. But she would have had finger sandwiches and scotch all prepared already, so that when the police chief showed up, he'd climb through the window, unlock the door, and then he was there for a couple hours. He was the hero. So you get finger sandwiches. That's it. And a little on-duty sauce. Yeah. Yep. Excellent. Yeah. That's perfect. That's good you planning. Know? Yeah. It is good planning. I feel like I'm entering into that mode of life. I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to do it. How I'm going <laughs> to, you know, what, what, what is somebody going to need from me that I have to grab 20 minutes of conversation out of them, you know? Hmm. I think that'd be nice. So you're, you're going to start seeing cars go around you when you're somewhere like, oh, shit, there's Rich. Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. (laughs) God, it's been six days since I had eye contact with anybody. (laughs) It's funny, you know, we're joking about it, but it's one of the things that I think endears Block Island to people are is, is that those those little conversations and those dynamics because I can recall when I first started working at Captain Nick's I would have to go across the street when Bruce Montgomery was running the newspaper and work on the ads with him. Now I had given Bruce the ads like a months in advance or all the dates he knew what they were. But every week he would call me, Mark, you got to get over here. We have to do the ads for Nick's. It's almost the deadline. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'll go over, Bruce. And I would sit with him and he'd be like, Mark, these ads are terrible. This copy is awful. We got to work on it. And we'd end up like with something that was almost exactly the same yeah. as we had. But I had to go hang with Bruce Montgomery for a half hour every week. It was just. Well. And now know. looking back, I'm like, I had some of the greatest talks with that dude. And that's, it's true. It's true. So sometimes Mackie would talk to me as if it was my first time fishing and I was there for like my 70th bucket of minnows. <laughs> pay attention. Yeah. You I say pay attention. Pay attention. Yeah. Pay attention. Now, mm-hmm. this is how you do it. Oh, yes, man. <laughs> there would be a precursor to it. I'd always be like, now I'm about to tell you something. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's never just the thing. Yeah, no. That's great. You know, it's good. And be like, okay, you know, ready to roll. So you did, so you started, that was your first commercial fishing gig then you working with john and then did you go to did you ever work for hall gary hall you said i did worked in the mad bunk for a while okay lobstering then just lobstering just lobstering and then he switched over to gill netting i was gonna say because fishermen advance as species get overfished or die off or regulations change different things and i will say gary was ahead of the curve because he got rid of his lobster gear when the fishery was starting to fail and he got into gill netting which I sort of begged. I think I worked for a, like a third of a share, a half share to get on the boat. And I took about 10 minutes and realized I hated it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that was a, that was a, um, fin- it was a financially productive fishery. Yep. 
putting yeah. gill nets around the island. So, yeah. you know, it was good, good experience. He's good to work for. He's, you know, smart guy. I think I did it once or twice for a little while when I was, you know, um, I didn't love fishing. Uh, I love fishing recreational. I just didn't love fishing commercially. And I, but I did a few commercial things in the fishing industry. It's hard, hard work. It really is. And with no guaranteed paycheck, you nope. know, it's so based on your take, but that's the one where, so this, this boot. So gill netting is, if I recall, there's like floats on a rope on the top of the water and then weights on the bottom of the net, you know, 20 right. feet below the water and the net is suspended. Correct. You know, in the top, what is it? 20 feet, give or take of water. And it's just, well, we were monk fishing mostly, so it sat on the bottom. Oh, that sat on the bottom. We were monk fishing. Okay. But the, so it still had the floats, but then the yep. weights outdid it so yep. that the floats kept it up mm-hmm. as a net acting. Okay. Exactly. And the fish just swim into the net and then you have they're the, stuck. Yeah. And that's get, that. That's not to sound funny. They, that's why they call it a gill net. They get yeah. their gill stuck and they're stuck in the net. So you haul it up or they drown, you know, oh, yeah. and you haul it up and take them out. And yeah. so how long, so you didn't do the commercial fishing thing for too, too long. I worked with Gary Lobstern for a couple of years, did a little bit of the gill netting. Um, I worked with Joe Zabo and Pat Heaney. Remember Pat oh, Heaney? yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe and Pat. I did a trip on the little one. That was a great boat. Terrifying. Pat was an exceptional. There's, again, there's another person. He was a little bit younger than me, but he, I did several, you know, canyon trips in that boat, long lining for, you know, sword fishing, tuna and whatnot. And I did a whole winter with him, sword fishing out of the, I mean, um, cod fishing out of the island. We were long lining for, for cod. Yeah. I ne- he was younger than me. I never questioned his ability once. I never questioned where we were. Like it never, he was just, you know, God rest his soul. He was a fisherman and he oh. just knew his, like he, God put him on the earth to be a fisherman. I questioned him once the Coast Guard was coming and, uh, you know, Joe was, Joe owns a boat. And you're like, hey, what do I do with all this cocaine? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, no, I was more like, here, hold this. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember feeling very stupid later. You know, I'm just going to admit it. You know, we when as we get older, it's fine to admit stupidity. So um, he's looking off with a binocular. So, oh, Coast Guard cutter might be coming this way. I'm like, should I go down and wake up Joe? And he's like, why? You know, and I was like, oh, sorry, I forgot you got this, you know, like, and that, like you said, I, I didn't realize like he was the guy, there was no, no need to bother anybody who was on break and sleeping mm-hmm. and, you know, Pat guy, rest his soul, man. He, he had it. Yeah. Yeah. So did you ever end up captaining a boat yourself or? No, yeah. I, I had my own, I had a 23 footer. I ran some pots on the West side of the Island, a couple hundred traps of my own, but no, not any real big boats. And, no. But just for kicks, not no, commercial. For, no, for oh, commercial. you did yeah. commercial. Okay. I had my multi-purpose. Okay. And then did you do that up until your departure for, uh, yep. but now you got, was, when did you get married somewhere in there or? Oh, you had to ask me the date, didn't you? No, no, no. <laughs> Around the year. Um, I gotta go. I never know the right answer. Oh, it feels like 100 years ago. It feels like just yesterday. It's so fresh. Great. As my lovely wife would say, it's been 23 years, but it only feels like 15 minutes with my head held underwater. <laughs> I love that woman. Oh, That's, gosh. Yeah. All That's, right. So you did the fishing thing, and then you took the break and went out to uh, to California. Uh, no, I had gone to California first. Oh, you got to back, California first. Got into okay. the fishing. Got into well, I get back into fishing. I had the oyster farms on the island. Well, I that my was my boat. that was my next thing. Yep. So the oyster farms. You, I remember that being the first time I even heard terminology like aquaculture. I'm sure right. it, it was way before that. I was just too. No, that was that was pretty new. That was really new, right? So there was only us. one or two other farms in the state at that point. Okay, and they were mostly experimental. That was 
Yeah, that was pretty so good. So you were the one you so you had this vision that you could grow something in the sea and that you were gonna use and you use New Harbor, Great Great Salt Pond. Yeah. Right. So when did you how did you you know, some people sit down and be like, I can't wait to open up this bar. It's going to be like this. And we're going to have this and that, you know, stupid idea, by the way. Um, But uh, <laughs> why, why, why don't why, don't try it at home? Yeah. Don't try this at, with unless you're yeah, using someone you else's a, money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how did you get it going? The oyster farm. And how did yeah. you get into it? Um, I just applied for some permits. You get an experimental permit. I asked some people on the mainland about it. There was historical precedence back in the day, turn of the century, maybe a little later. There was some oyster growing in that area on Block Island. I don't think it was as official as an actual company, but there was some history of cultivating right in that Trim's Pond where I was. Um, so I got the you know a few permits, staked out a couple acres, went through an arduous, ridiculous lengthy, torturous permitting process. Big word alert. With, had, <laughs> like what, the CRMC oh, the and everything. Thing. DEM, right? the D- Army yeah. Corps of Engineers. Of and it was new, and there was a few people who weren't pro-aquaculture, so being naive, not knowing, they made all these ridiculous stumbling blocks. It, it really was cumbersome. And In fact, when, when Alice and I got married um, on the island, our reception was at the Kittens. Shocking. Mine too. <laughs> you're you're not alone, Rich. Yeah, it was plenty. And you know, I had a, I had at that point, I had a smaller lease, and I was going to take all the oysters and clams and have this giant raw bar, start selling them, and actually, you know, it'd been a couple of years, make some money, and then the state decided experimental permits, you can't sell it. Oh. I'm like I'm sitting on thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. No, can't sell it. So at our wedding, we had you know an Olympic grade raw bar because I had all this stuff I couldn't sell. So. <laughs> Right. Yes. Let me ask you a quick question. You said lease. Who do you? So who'd your rent go to? I mean, who it was you very renting? small. It was about fifty bucks a year per acre, I think, as I remember. Technically, I leased the water from you. I leased it from the people. So okay. I leased the water. Nobody the called me about that. And I don't think you're going to get a cut of the action mm-hmm. either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. How about it's, a couple free oysters? Yeah. I gave away a lot of oysters. That was one thing I learned right away: was keep your neighbors happy. Yeah. You know. Very good. So, which is, you know, Paul Dean. He's always out looking for scallops, he'd always make sure he had some, some oysters, some clams or something. And yeah. There was a, it's, it was a really cool idea. It was hampered by the seasonality because the pond was shut down in the summer, which is when all the people come to your restaurant right. would like to have, you know, some fresh clams from Brooklyn. Right. You couldn't, right. you couldn't sell. So yeah. we did move. And that's something I hadn't anticipated. But we did move some. I got another lease up by Andy's Way for the winter where I grew bay scallops. And that was, that was successful. They grew really well. Oh, you and grew scallops as well. We grew base scallops. Now, is that a separate kind of license, or once you have a license to for shellfish bivalves, you had whatever? to get another permit. You know, Rhode permit. Island they need yeah, another yeah, fifty yeah. bucks for something. Sure, so. they do. You get right on right. the right on a chick. Give it a Vinny. Right. So that was doing really well, and then Mark Tilson was out one day at the at where he lived at the Coast Guard house, and a bunch of Navy boats came in, you know, PT boat size or something like that, doing a little exercise, and they ran it over, oh. and they wiped it out. And oh, he called me and geez. said, there's boats in there. And I went out. Everything was on the bottom. Everything was destroyed. We had to, actually, I think Gary Hall helped me try to drag it up. And it was destroyed. And I called the Navy and said, this is what happened. These are the boats. I identified the boats. No, it didn't happen. Like, oh, I have three witnesses. Two worked for the town. One was a town council. Like that, no, it didn't happen. Huh. So that, the base call-ups went. They were destroyed. Uh, in the Navy. By the Navy. By the U.S. We'll Navy. destroy your scallop funds. Never happened, they said. Wow. Yeah, wow. Never happened. Jeez, but yeah, that was a really cool. By the thing. way, I've heard that story before, and I it's uh, I checked some things online, and when you go online to look look at the list of government 
cover-ups and it's like the kennedy assassination <laughs> mm-hmm. um you know the roswell and then todd Carez. right scallop, it, it, it's scallop true yep. it's yep. true there's a we're still looking into it by the way thank we're you get right to there. the bottom of this you're, you're, but you're you. above jimmy thank hoffa you. you're yeah. above the you're above jimmy hoffa yeah, for sure right in between so. yep hoffa. Hoffa. yeah you're <laughs> <right in> <laughs> Do you like oysters still? Uh, not as much as I used to. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. How did you get into? What was it? Was there a passion? Obviously, you fishermen, uh, oyster aquaculture. It was from fishing. Yeah. You know, being out. You, you know, there's the. You get to the point where do, do I want to go out fishing for ten days or do I want to stay home and maybe grow some fish? Right. And it's very cool. You know, once you get involved in it, you start looking at other people doing it. It's it's, it's pretty. It's pretty benign. It's good for the water. You know, mm-hmm. they clean by nature. They clean the water. Yeah. So it's good for the environment. You know, there's some sight issues and some visual issues and some conflict issues, but in that part of the pond, that was a that was a really cool thing. And so when I sold it, when I was going to get got married, and moved back to the mainland, the Block Island Maritime Institute bought it, okay. and they got an opportunity, lock, stock, and barrel, the boat, the gear, everything to teach kids about you know the crabs and the eels that are in there. And I could be standing there sometimes at low tide working, and a whole school of mackerel would come whipping through. You know, or a bunch of striped bass would chase some, you know, fish through there. So, like, it was a really cool place to be. So, the Maritime Institute got it. And yeah. I had hoped they would make it into a, a bigger, you know, I kind of lost touch with them after a while. But but Chris Warfel came along, and did he take some of it over, or did he pick up where you left off, or no? He's he's not my favorite person in the whole world. Oh, excellent. Okay. Um, <laughs> he Yes, I taught him a lot, and I regretted teaching him anything. Okay. How's that? Well, hey. Fair enough. That's fine with That's us. Totally you know, fine. That was a, anything you want on our podcast. A, um, very weird. I was warned in advance to stay away, and I ignored, as I am wont to do. I ignored good advice. and Well, that's the best advice, always ignored. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. again, talk to my wife. I ignore <laughs> plenty of that yes, advice exactly. from her. Yes. Um, so you get out of the oyster business, and this is coincides with your departure from Block Island uh, back to the mainland back in terms mainland. of being a year-round resident. Uh, not a year-round resident. Sad you were summers, days. right? No, I was, I was, that was full-time. Oh, you were back oh, yeah. full-time for the, the 10 years after oh, yeah. California. Oh, yeah, that was this gotcha. was home. And then, so what made you leave again? Mostly my uh, good sense, my lovely wife. Yeah. Allison yeah. was like, you know, if we're going to, running an oyster farm is it was very sort of sexy in a way like and romantic it was, it was beautiful and like and I, you know yeah, there yeah. were like you said with the restaurant there were many nights where we get home from work i was working for with gene hall and i get home like oh I just, there's nothing for dinner i don't want to have any chicken fine i'll run down to the boat and get a couple lobsters and a couple <laughs> dozen oysters <laughs> have some base right? dollops oh fine <laughs> you know easter morning fine i'll go dig up a you know a bag of clams fine <laughs> So there was that, but it wasn't, there wasn't enough to, you know, economically to kind of keep yeah. things rolling. Yep. Yeah. So, and as the years moved on and prices rose, it, I mean, a lot of people found that situation, I think, I mean, I'm not, I don't know if that was, uh, it was just a financial reason, but I'm saying recently we've talked to a bunch of people who've, you know, just yeah. couldn't afford to live on the Island right. anymore, basically. But well, you know, and we're still seeing it now with trying to fill positions for say a chief of police town and teachers anything like that i mean how do you hire someone at a at a normal salary and but they live in a place where houses cost 1.3 million dollars you know it's just it's very out of whack for to fill those those roles in the community that are you know that are necessary a lot a lot of issues a lot of issues and you know what our our most pressing issue right now is that we need to take a quick break all right we'll be back uh give us one minute here Todd. all right we're gonna uh hear from our sponsors 
Captain Nick's Rock and Roll Bar is Block Island's premier night spot and live music venue, bringing only the best in summertime entertainment since 1976. If you're looking for good times, friendly people, and zero attitude, stop by and check us out right across from the grocery store. Monday nights are still groovy, so dress in your 70s best for disco night. Then get ready to sing along on Tuesdays and Wednesdays with Neil Haven's Dueling Pianos. Friday and Saturday nights, Captain Nick's features the best cover, party, and tribute bands in New England. And don't miss the legendary Captain Nick's Sunday Fun Day with Young Guns from 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. Captain Nick's is proud to feature its new food menu seven days a week from 4.30 to close, which means late night grub until 12.30 a.m., seven days a week. Captain Nick's is proud to feature its new food menu seven days a week from 4.30 to close, which means late night grub until 12.30 a.m., seven days a week. Lunch served Thursday through Sunday at noon. And if you're looking for the island's best mudslide, Nick's is also the spot for afternoon fun when you come off the beach with great acoustic entertainment outside on the deck. Captain Nick's Rock and Roll Bar, 34 Ocean Avenue, right across from the Block Island Grocery. Visit CaptainNicksBI.com. Hey, Mark, who are you most excited to see this summer at Captain Nick's? I always love the Blushing Brides, the Rolling Stones tribute band. You almost feel like you're looking at the real Mick Jagger. Marmar Jewels and Blockstar are a true mom and pop operation. Martha and Dominic, the dynamic husband and wife duo's hip little boutique, is located just past the statue of Rebecca across in the post office. Martha and Marmar Jewels represents the work of over 50 rotating independent jewelry artists every season with handmade jewelry and accessories focusing on one of a kind works from local and regional artists. Whether you're looking for alternative wedding engagement options, gifts and accessories for your bridal party, or some hair feathers, Marmar's gotcha. Permanent jewelry workshops, visiting artist trunk shows, and private shopping are all but some of Marmar's offerings. Blockstar is the official, unofficial Block Island brand. You've seen the stickers everywhere, and we mean everywhere. In 2004, Dominic launched Blockstar, true grassroots styles, right out of the trunk of his car. It would go on to become one of the most recognizable Block Island icons ever. But you don't have to buy your Blockstar t-shirts, hats, and hoodies out of the trunk of a car anymore. Visit Marmar Jewels between Memorial Day and Columbus Day weekends, or order anytime online at marmarboutique.com. You know, I do love Marmar's work, and the fact that she brings in all these other artists, it just makes it such a collection to look over and, and buy some neat stuff. Yeah, it's a really cool store, and Dominic's Blockstar brand is everywhere. Whether you're experienced or a beginner, fishing on Block Island is one of the greatest experiences you can have. Our friends at BI Fishworks are there to make sure it's amazing. Block Island Fishworks offers charter trips for whatever you're after. Striped bass, bluefish, fluke, sea bass, bonita, you name it, they know how to catch it. If you're into light tackle and fly fishing, Captain Chris does morning charters of up to three people. If your group's a little larger, climb aboard the Harley with Captain Hank. The Harley does half and full day trips for up to six people. If boats aren't your thing, there's still plenty of great spots to fish from shore. BI Fishworks has everything you need. A great selection of equipment, tackle, and plenty of tips and pointers on when and where to go and what the fish are biting. The shop, located at 40 Ocean Avenue, is open daily in season. While you're there, check out the great shirts, hats, hoodies, and a bunch of other cool swag. To book a charter, get info on the shop, check out their merch and all things fishing, visit their website, bifishworks.com. You know, Mark, I love fishing with those guys. You ever been out with them? Oh, my God. A number of times, actually. And you know what? Every single time, we've caught fish. It's worth the trip just to spend a half a day with Hank. Hank is a force of nature, as we know. Yeah, he's great. And you know what? A lot of times your fishing trip can include a buzz by or even a quick tour of the of the wind farm, which is pretty awesome. And you know what? The the, the greatest thing about Fishworks is that they have everything you need. Every everything. 
Whenever you're on island, you've got to pay a visit to Diamond Blue Surf Shop located right in Bridgegate Square, a.k.a. the four-way. Don't let them name fool you. They are definitely everything surfing, but so much more. They have an amazing line of clothing, hats, swimsuits, shades, footwear, bracelets, and lots of accessories. As for surfing, Diamond Blue not only sells all things surfing, but they also rent surfboards, paddleboards, wetsuits, boogie boards, and down on the beach, they rent kayaks and beach chairs as well. Diamond Blue has experienced surfing instructors on staff giving surf lessons all summer. Your surf lessons include a surfboard and wetsuit. It's a great way for the kids or anyone to safely learn how to catch their first sweet wave. So hopefully you get to the shop and visit Jen and the gang at Diamond Blue Surf Shop. But if you can't, then check them out online. For all the info on rentals and surf lessons and to shop everything they carry in the store, visit Diamond Blue online at diamondbluebi.com. You know what I love about Diamond Blue? They have the best apparel. For example, this past October, I was here in the fall, and I was freezing, and I got the coolest surf jacket there. Oh, yeah. Hoodies, hats. They, they You can Christmas shop there. I mean, you should. They do the Christmas stroll usually, yeah. and uh, you can order online. So totally. you left the island. You're like, I wish I bought that for my son for Christmas. They've you know? got such cool stuff there. Very cool. And Jen and her staff are the nicest. Jen is so chill. <laughs> All right, so we're back uh, continuing our great interview and conversation with Todd. Um, so I believe, it, and we're going to get into this in a little bit about what you're doing now and how this plays into it, but in your current thing, you did some research and you know a little something about the deer on Block Island, which are, you know, to some the most beautiful creature in the world, but generally they're a health hazard with the with the transmission of Lyme disease on the island. And then, of course, there's the hordes of people that just hate the fact that they eat everything you plant. You know, they, they love rhododendrons and stuff like that. So there's a lot we can't plant. And if you do plant something big and beautiful, the deer, you got to put such a fence around it that you can't even view it. So tell us a little bit about what you know about how the deer came to be on Block Island. I knew you were going to ask me that. Well, you're the expert. Uh, well, no, no expert. Uh, I, I believe the way the story goes, there was, there was as far back as 1963, I think there was some talk. I think Jack Gray was the um, on the town council. There was talk of bringing some deer for the Block Island Rod and Gun Club for sport, just for something. You know, there's no no turkeys or anything. There's no squirrels. There's nothing to shoot. Yeah. I wanted to bring some deer over, and as I recall, it was put down a couple times by the state. DM DM didn't want any part of it. There was, I, I think I remember there was something about DEM bringing, 66 maybe, bringing some deer from Newport. But I don't know if that's ever been verified. But there was, so the Rod and Gun Club got, they got a couple dozen deer, a dozen deer maybe. They brought them over on the boat, obviously. Do you know any members of the Rod and Gun Club from your research? Uh, well, Lou Gaffett. Okay. And ironically, as I recall, the deer came over on... March something, 1967. It was the uh, it was the birthday of Lou's twins, Heather and Kerry. Oh yeah, okay, great. So it was the yep. same day that Lou's kids were born, and they came over on the boat, a dozen maybe. And the whole idea was to bring them up and you know hunt them. That was the that was the point. And they brought them up to Kathy Payne's place, which I which from what I read was probably a little more open, more meadow. Yeah, yeah. And, and they you know the story goes they opened the trailer doors, the deer looked out. Screwed and weren't seen for like three years. <laughs> Disappeared. <laughs> Just gone. Because it took decades for them to be conditioned to not give a crap about cars driving by and stuff like they are now. And I always think about, you remember the old cartoons of Elmer Fudd walking around with this big bazooka trying to find the rabbit who's standing <laughs> yeah, behind yeah. him the whole time. You know, Bugs Bunny's behind him. <laughs> yeah. I can just picture all the 
I'd have to. Uh, Arthur Rose is probably in there. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Arthur Rose. Arthur Rose. You know, so I mean, the Block Island Rod and Gun Club was was a thing. Yeah. And so all the deer, they opened the door and the deer left, and they weren't seen for something like two or three years. So that was sort of an epic fail. Except when the deer started to emerge, you know, there weren't a dozen anymore. Right. Since deer are prone to have twins, there was exponentially more deer. <laughs> yes, because and in, in, if I'm not mistaken, in, in the twin factor is healthy environment. If yes. the environment's healthy enough, deer will have twins. Really? Oh, yeah. So Block Island is like the perfect storm of a healthy environment because it stays, you know, 10 to 15 degrees warmer in the winter than the harsh, you know, deep New England winters. Right. Um, you know, there's buffets left at the end of every season all over the island with people's right. gardens and flowers and everything. Yeah. So, so you, there's I, less traffic. You know, so I don't know the percentage, but I, I'm going to say a high percentage of the block Island deer have twins. And now what do you think about the population from what you know? Well, why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? Um, Let's let's get into what you've done for the since you left Block Island, and then I'll it'll explain a little more why I think you're a, such an expert on some of these things. So, is that word expert? Uh, let's get into the expert part. Of yeah, the, the conversation. Expert. Yes. Um, I think I learned a valuable lesson from the economics of oyster farming, so I sold it. Which, by the way, credit to Block Island, that was the first commercial aquaculture sale in the state of Rhode Island since CRMC was started, and that that four acres on the island created the benchmark value of submerged land in Rhode Island. So cheers to Block Island for permitting that and, you know, allowing that whole business to run for the eight or 10 years, whatever it was. And yeah. now they're all over the state. I mean, you know, now they've restaurants are popping up with, right. you know, attached the to the farm. The the yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah. So I learned my valley, valuable lesson and I went to the mainland and started an oyster farm. Oh, did you? A brilliant idea. <laughs> Where, where'd you do that? <laughs> Off of Middletown. Oh, I had no idea about that. Good size, submerged farm, deep water, long line culture, 15 acres. It was pretty cool. Wow. Not again, you know, it was so labor intensive. We had a, like a 37 foot boat. Like it was a bigger operation. Yeah. It didn't, it, it's fun and it's cool and it's a great way to make a living, but it's still, there's so much labor involved that it's hard to, you know. Right. Justify making. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yes. Yeah. It's, uh. But Bug Island was, that was a unique experience growing oysters out there talking to people, you know, people would come out in their dinghies and their kayaks and the cages were specifically set up three feet apart. So you could by by design, so you can go up and down and, you know, not interfere with them and not so that I wouldn't interfere with your recreation and you wouldn't interfere with the gear. It was okay. pretty neat. That was so little channels that you could paddle through without disrupting anything. Kids would come over and, you know, stop and check it out. You shuck a few oysters or dig a few clams and it was, it was pretty neat. That Did was, you have like the utility belt with lemon and, uh, you know, some Tabasco sauce and <laughs> mignonette maybe? I never thought of that. Yeah. I, I, wow. It. See? Maybe that's the, why the, the business holster. didn't work. Damn it. I didn't think of that. <laughs> Like like the chick that they send around with the holster fireball at exactly, the bar. Exactly. The there shot you know. girl. Yeah. yeah. So I like, should have had a shot girl on there. You should have. Yes. Oyster shooter? Yeah. Damn it. With Tabasco? Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. It was, a very, it was a very cool way to make a living out there. Yeah. It was very fun. So you're, and then you tr- you did it on the mainland as well in Middletown. Yep. And uh, then what? Then I think my wife said, if you open one more oyster farm or buy, buy one more Ford truck, I'm going to leave you. <laughs> Okay. You know, so, yeah. so you, you know, bought a Ford. Some, so, so I bought a Ford. So I bought a Chevy. <laughs> You'll notice there's a Chevy in the driveway. It's, it's no, no longer an F two fifty. I think the uh, I think the line was if you come home with another Ford, you can find another driveway to put it in. Wow. Yeah, oh, the, well, so. That's uh, 
way of putting it. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm still in charge of my house. I still run my house. But, you know, sometimes I, I take some advice. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm gotta, still in charge. Are you? <clears throat> yeah, Good for absolutely. you. No, it's the way to be. I run my I house as long myself. as I'm allowed to. Yeah. <laughs> I keep telling myself I'm in charge. Yeah. It's, she sure lets are, me believe right. it for right. the most part. Yeah. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. So now what do you do? Uh, most, well, I work for the town that I live in and I do a lot of freelance writing, newspaper, fish wrap. We've been writing fish wrap. Uh, actually fish wrap just started its eighth year last month. And when did you get into writing? I pretty much always did. did Was this one of the BI times? Remember, uh, um, the block Island crier. Remember the crier? Oh yeah. Yeah. Kevin the crier. Yep. We used to, I used to write something in there. I loved the crier, which was, uh, we had some fun because that wasn't exactly journalism. No, that was know? like the National Lampoon right. with a little, you know, with, with actual stories, yes. but it was fun. Yeah. It yeah. was it was fun to kind of take an actual event on the island and kind of blow it up and make it the way you wanted to see it. Yeah. It was a lot. Of, well, different angle that was for fun. sure. That's what tequila does to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Blows you up and makes you th- no, see things I just, from different angles. It, yeah, it takes something that uh, nowhere near the way it actually happened. And by the time I'm telling the story, so much better. Yeah. But, exactly. So you so tell us about the fish wrap. When you started that and what is it and where do you do it? Fish wrap is cool. Here's your uh, chance to plug. All right. Plug away. Plug away. Yeah. Can everybody see my hat? I'm wearing a fish wrap hat. Can you see that? Uh, I think it's going to be in your okay. cover pick. Yep. Uh, it's... I st- well, I wrote for a bunch of magazines, fishing stuff, and fishing has a cycle. After a while, you can only write about, you know, striped bass for so long or, you know, which bluefish hooked you. It gets kind of old. So I approached a friend of mine that I used to go see the Grateful Dead with a lot who worked for a newspaper and said, can you turn me on to an editor for a magazine job? And he said, why don't you write for the paper? Because every fisherman they hired to write the fishing column writes for March and April and then quits when the fish show up. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Nobody comes back. <laughs> So, they, what they need is you know a writer who doesn't know how to fish. Right. Which, you know, <laughs> fish, which they got. <laughs> he nailed that one. <laughs> yeah, so it's been eight. We're starting our eighth year. We're in eight newspapers. And we have the Fish Wrap Writer website, which is growing. So is it growing? A, technically, is this a blog we're talking about? It's tech, or? sort of. I mean, I it, Fish Wrap came for the newspaper, which okay. then grew into so other started, newspapers. It started as a column in a newspaper, right. and now it's and we, Okay. Is so it RAP or WRAP? WRAP. Okay. That makes sense. So we, yeah, that's, that's, that's doing pretty well. You know, that's moved in. We did those radio reports, like we were saying earlier, you know, yeah. for a couple of years, we did a whole bunch of radio reports through Rhode Island, Mass, and Connecticut, and New York, Montauk. So that's good. That kind of segued into some other, we, um, what writers were you, work. what writers were you into as a that inspired you to be a, become a writer. I mean, I'm going to guess Hemingway. Were you a Hemingway guy? Big Hemingway fan. Of course. Fishing uh, and writing. Charles Bukowski. Yeah, Bukowski. One of my favorites, which is not really, you know, the best business model to have. No, definitely not. Just being loaded by nine o'clock in the yeah. morning and yeah. you know, punching out people. Well, and yeah. Going to interviews and throwing knives Getting a job and... as an office clerk, you know. <laughs> I think he was a postman for a while, too. Postman, he was a mailman what, for yeah, a while. Yeah, that's what it was, yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of like owning an oyster farm and having to have a side job to keep it going, you know? You've yeah. got to do exactly. something, yeah. <laughs> and you could drink early in the morning. Of like course, Bukowski, yeah. Because right? nobody was there but me. So right. That was, uh, yeah. That was a help. Safety second. <laughs> as long as the oysters don't start speaking to you. That's in, bad. In a language you can understand. That's bad. That's weird. Why is that bad? Like, see, I don't get that. Whatever works. You know? Yeah. because you like the tequila. That's why it makes sense to you. Oh, okay. Yeah. And you mentioned you've been to a number of Grateful Dead shows. 
Ah, yes. <laughs> He's like, so it is so. entirely possible yes. that the oysters were talking to you. There was one time in Cincinnati, I think that could have happened. Yeah. yeah. Yes. yeah. Nowhere near yes. the ocean. How many, the oysters time, how many times have you them. seen the Grateful Dead? I saw the actual Grateful Dead 67 times. And I saw permutations of other bands and Jerry's bands probably around 100 times. Yeah. What's the best show? Top five dead shows, actual Grateful Dead shows you've been to. I did see the the Dead's first show at the actually Denny Hines. If Denny Hines listens, he's a, I'm a big Denny Hines fan. I think I skipped out and work to go see this, which he did not understand. He, we're oh, building a house no. down the neck, and he's like, "Why you, you're what? You're not going to be here next week because you're going to California to see the Dead." Like it couldn't. He couldn't process it. it doesn't no. that doesn't make any sense to me? Uh, <laughs> it was you know I'm sure Garcia Garcia had a coma at one point. And he came out of the coma and didn't know how to play the guitar. And yeah. fast forward six months later, he's back on stage. So I got to see the first three nights in Oakland with him. Oh wow, that so that was pretty back. cool. Yeah. With the some Linda, um, the Neville brothers were there. Joan Baez was there. Oh man. Um, Billy Cobham was there. Like it was, there was a thing. So that was, that was pretty cool. That's Epic cool historical. That was pretty That's cool. That's really good. That wow. was pretty cool. Good so, stuff. Yeah. Music was always, uh, Coco, uh, you're a music fan, you know, Coco Taylor. Yes. Great blues. Yeah. I got to see her at a place in Providence many years ago and, that's before I cut my hair. I was a skinny white kid with way too much, you know, dirty <laughs> hair. And I got backstage and I got into her dressing room, you know, and everybody's, no one looked like me. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say with Coco with the Chicago blues band. And, uh, you know, two gentlemen who were towered over me said, what the hell do you want? And I managed to get up and kneel in front of Coco Taylor and hold her by the hand. I kissed her ring. And I said, baby, you're the greatest. And she patted me on the head. She goes, you're a nice white boy. <laughs> now get out <laughs> then she kicked you out I said yes ma'am yes ma'am the two guys looked at me I was like oh I got it message is clear yeah, yeah. Yeah. don't oh, touch yeah. don't touch I'm good uh, last call saloon Pew, skinny well, white kid running out the back door yeah. gone I mean at least you did the right thing you paid respect to the queen I and then to, you got the hell out of there I did she said, nah, I wanted you to get out wow. I said yes ma'am Yes, well, ma'am. I, for one, I'm glad you're not skinny anymore. Um, and um, no, I'm just kidding. He's not. Hey, he's hey. not up to my size. That's for sure. You know what's funny is there's a lot of old deadheads on Block Island too, guys that now are like again, like yeah, you know, you're you got a beard and you're, you know, you look you got ripped. No, your pants aren't ripped. That was your hat. I don't know. You look like a working kind. You know, like a wait. Are you describing kind of me? Guy. Or are you making fun of me? I Both can't. a little bit. Yeah. I'm not sure yet. I'll That's let you know yes. when I make up my mind. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of like, uh, right now you look like I bathed today. You're very, let me finish. You look, you're a put together dude, man. That's what I'm trying to say. You're a good looking guy. Well, thanks for noticing. You have nice glasses. Thank you. Your hair's nicely parted. You have like the Santa Clausy kind of, Oh, it's always about the Santa Claus thing beard. Yeah. But it's warm and fuzzy and nice. And, um, you know, but uh, like guys like Cahill, like, right. Who were old hippies back in the day. Now he's glasses, skinny, you know, where's the hat? But, uh, there's just like, I love envisioning all the old block island deadheads you remember hippie that, that was my remember hippie john who worked with don for oh yeah yeah when don for took over the kittens i i it was 1984 i think i just got out of high school and i got a job working as the bar back at the kittens and hippie john who you know i earned his nickname they were redoing <laughs> the kittens bar kind of because he was going to take it over and if you remember the front of the kittens was carpeted where the pool table is, that used to be carpeted. Oh, yeah, that's right. And my first job as the bar back was to spend about two weeks on my hands and knees with a pair of pliers pulling the nails, the tacks out of the floor from the carpet. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, back, we all had boom boxes back then. Yeah. So I'm, you know, on my hands and knees listening to the Almond Brothers. 
and Don Frigeau and Hippie John come around the corner and it's, who the hell do you think you are? What, what are you doing? What the hell is that? I'm like, dude, it's Dwayne Allman, man. And after that, I was cool. You know, before that, it was just some, you know, some idiot summer kid who's got a job. Well, after that, I was cool because I had Dwayne Allman on the on a cassette as I'm picking staples out, you know, and people dried up vomit on the floor of the kittens. Yeah. Did Donnie go ahead and like play his fake invisible harmonica for yes. you along with the uh, Allman Brothers? He did. And I will always be indebted to him because... Um, when they used to have some pretty good music, you know, Taj Mahal played there. Yeah, yes. we, yep, yep. I remember that actually. I was too summer. young to get in, but I remember yep. sitting outside and listening. We, uh, we had the James Cotton Blues Band one night, and Dan Cahill was yep. there. And I was probably still, I might have been bartending or bar back, I don't remember. And I, I think it was Dan Cahill who gave me the wink, and you know, over here. And he sent me out back. And so I'm like, well, what? And I go out back behind Winfield's. Or Cat in the Hat, Cat in the Fiddle. Cat in the Fiddle. And there's the, oh, I'm sorry, we were across the street at your place when it was still the gas station. We went across the street to your place. Oh, okay. And in the parking lot is James Cotton, you know, a living blues legend with the James Cotton Blues Band. And they're all smoking a joint. And the I walk devil's up, like, lettuce? I'm like, dude, you guys are smoking a joint. Satan. I got, no, am I going to get in trouble for this? Because there's no statute of limitations. It's been years. What? It's been no, decades. Yeah. Joint? No, please. I got to smoke one with James Cotton and the James Cotton Blues Band. Like, come that's on. That's pretty wow. cool. Come on. Like, there that's you go. On Little Block Island. Right? Yep. Right? Well, that's, you know, Block Island, it's like, sometimes a friend of mine said it was like Wish Island, you know? You, you wish things and they kind of happen, you know? Yeah. Like, God, I really need a, you know, a crank for my boat trailer and right. sure enough you go to the dump and you're like hey you throwing that out <laughs> there there's one is, right there you know? did you ever notice too on block island how you're like you'll be talking to someone you'll be like oh yeah i saw uh, ken last week he was and then boom they walk right by as yeah, soon yeah. As you start as soon as you mention their name that that person shows up it's the block somehow. island factor it is, it is the vortex it's the vortex sometimes good sometimes not so good yep all right so you talked, you, you briefly brushed on some media stuff, TV, um, that sort of thing. You've done some some radio spots and you've done uh, TV work too or just fishing shows, that sort of thing. I, because it makes perfect sense, I hosted uh, two episodes of the Golf Destinations Network, which is the <laughs> oldest running golf TV show in the country. Really? Yeah. Do I you mentioned. golf? No, never. I've never. <laughs> n- no, not never, ever. You know, I like drank beer and put the ball in Abe Lincoln's hat at the putt putt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, That's a hard hole, by the way. We'll see. I mean, you know, yeah. and I, yeah, we got that gig. That was, and I remember the producer was there, the cameraman, everybody's all nervous. And the, the guy was in charge says, we don't have clubs. You got to go get some clubs. So I did. So we throw them on the cart. We go out in the first green. We set up the shot. And there are the lights, the whole thing. We set everything up. And the guy says, where's your clubs? And he gets, he, idiot. These are women's clubs. I didn't know there were women's clubs. I had no idea. And I said, how the hell am I supposed to know? And he holds one up and the, the bag says ladies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you brought me here for my persona, not my education. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, we did two episodes mm-hmm. of Golf Desk. It was hysterical because we made it look like I got a hole in one on every shot. Nice. To like throw the club in the ground and be like, this game's stupid. How do you not? This is, oh my God. Is there some beer out here? This is stupid. And then they're like, okay, and now you're going to interview this guy. And you're like, what kind of name is Tiger? That's your <laughs> yeah. first question. Boring. You're like, yeah, whatever, yeah, dude. Lee Trevino. What a stupid name. <laughs> uh, is he ever, Fuzzy Zeller. Does he even play? Why'd you get that name? 
I think you told me we when I when I first contacted you. Now, of course, I reached out, and then COVID hit, and things got weird. And right. you know, um, you had said you did you do a podcast? Have you been on other podcasts? Uh, did you tell me about like a women's? Wisconsin? We did. We did the, we did the okay. What is the women? Is, the women's anglers. I think it was just called the Women's Anglers Podcast, which, by the way, just won a bunch of awards through the Association of Great Lakes Outdoor Writers Association. Yeah, very cool women, uh, very cool podcast. They're, I think, they just bought a Winnebago. They're like, they're, they're legit. They're traveling around doing fishing tournaments and meeting people and doing doing that thing. So we brought through uh, the Al's Goldfish Company with some friends of mine in Maine. They brought these women out to the Cape last year. God bless them. They were hardy. It rained for three straight days. I mean, it just, it blew snot for three days. And these women, all they could say was, where are we going next? And we went striper fishing for a weekend. They were the bomb. They were, we caught fish and got soaked and got blown over. And I mean, it was, it was excellent. That's cool. So what? yeah, I did their podcast, which was, which was neat. Which What's was the weird. name of their podcast again? The Woman Anglers. The Woman Anglers. And that was, you know. I what's this Al's Goldfish you just mentioned a moment ago? Uh, Al's Goldfish is an old trout lure. Um, and now the company, they make a bunch of other lures. Oh, here comes a plug. Warning. Plug. Do it. That's all right. No pun intended. Yeah, it was like a pun fish, intended. It was an unintended fish joke. Plug. Right. Uh, we They make saltwater lures as well, and Fish Wrap has a Fish Wrap Writer Edition uh, striper plug, Ooh. which is made to look like a bunker. It's a uh, green and chartreuse, kind of dark green and chartreuse, um, with a couple spots, like a little herring, a little, little bunker. And uh, we Fish Wrap has its own fish lure. Except it wears like a little fedora and it goes up to the other fish and it goes up to the fish and says, hey, Bob, can I get the scoop from you? Come here. Get my, yeah. It's got a little yeah. pencil behind the ear. Yeah, pencil really? behind yeah. the ear. Yeah. Yeah. Inventory. Yeah. Do you uh, do you still fish and hunt recreationally a lot? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, um, I actually tend to fish more through the winter than I do in the summer because summer gets busy. Right. Um, I fished twice last weekend and I'll probably fish tomorrow morning. What's your favorite uh, thing? Well, here's a question for me. So- I'm a I'm an angler and I've caught, you know, pretty much everything there is to catch mm-hmm. in my specific region. I really actually enjoy freshwater fishing a lot. Um don't want to let too much out of the bag on that one. As, how does he do that on Block Island? Well, figure it out. But if I wanted to go try something totally different, what would you recommend? Like what would be my dream three day trip, four day trip somewhere? I mean like around here or i'd even travel like i've done sail fishing off of florida again i like freshwater so like i've eyed up the calico bass down sure. in, down in the south um what about i've caught lake lot landlocked stripers on lake mead i cool. actually did a little fishing you know everybody else went to the casinos i went to the lake you good know man. good man and um you know but i i haven't done anything northern musky that kind of stuff was... muskies are cool fish of a thousand casts or because they're impossible <laughs> they're impossible to catch that's not you have me to do then, the though. figure eight with your pole in the water. Muskies will hit, and if 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 you don't set the hook right, they'll either come back for another one or they're gone for the day. Like it's over. So if you were the guide, you're you're swimming home because if you miss that first fish, chances are the, the muskie leaves and you're done. Uh, what about going tarpon fishing? I thought of that dinosaurs yeah. and they're the most beautiful fish. Catch them on a fly rod. Yeah. What about up north going in for some, uh, you know, northern pike? Like northern one of those flying. Have you ever done like a fly-in camp where you stay there and you, and you, you know, stay for a few nights and fish from the camp or, you know. We did one a couple of years ago in Western Canada. Yeah. And it was, it was kind of cool because you wake up and you, you get to tell the pilot, I'd like to fish for northern today. Okay. You know, because there's just water everywhere and you fly 
an hour and they'll drop you off in the lake and there's a boat sitting there and you spend the day on the lake. So the next day you want to go catch walleye. All right, we'll fly over here and you go that way and spend the day on the lake. My only concern is that I don't have my heart attack during that trip because I think you're all done. <laughs> yeah, and those are like old army bush planes. So yeah, yeah you're you're done. Yeah, you're not. No. I wouldn't count on an can't ambulance put, waiting can't for put you. one of those down on the roof of a hospital. No. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned fishing for tarpon earlier. This might be more your speed. You know, there's, uh, have you ever been to Key West? No. There's tarpon all over the place around Key West, around the docks. Sure. So yep. basically, you just can go like bar hopping, get hammered, and then you just jump off the dock and grab a tarpon. Just gill it. Just whatever. Like noodle it. it. I was going to say noodling. Is that catfish noodling? Yeah, noodle that sucker. Drunk. I know a guy who loved noodling, you know? I, the the really? cat, catfish noodling, I mean, you know. <laughs> oh, the, with the catfish. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, okay. and uh, yeah. He Does said, this have right. to do with the the noodle do, place near that you no. got? The takeout place you were talking no, about the jade, earlier? Jade bun? The jade no, bun. No, plug. this is actually, if any of you don't know what noodling is out there, it's when you wade around in the banks of a muddy river find a hole or is it a den do they call it a catfish den hollowed out logs yeah, whatever it's called. Know, whatever. Well, whatever enclosed place that you would never in a million years want to go near and you much less stick a body yeah, part in you stick your arm or your foot in there and the catfish will naturally like kind of grab on you and you grab it and then you yank out these 20 and 30 pound channel catfish with the suckers like just eat halfway up your arm yeah you're trying to eat your arm i can't you know, I can't. Uh, I can't understand it. My wife does it all the time. She loves noodling. That's different than noodling. <laughs> oh, that's something else. Hmm. I feel like I should be in another room right now. I probably shouldn't be here for this. No, no this is okay. Your, it's okay. I don't want to know too many details. We're not going to try to noodle here, and you know, while we're <laughs> we recording, I don't feel like we don't feel like we've succeeded in our podcast until we've made someone uncomfortable. I'm almost there. My glasses are starting to steam up again. Yeah, so yeah. See, for the wrong reason this time. Though. I'm right. going to post some pictures of me noodling oh, on our social media. Can you not? Maybe. Watch Maybe those subscriber numbers yeah, soar. So I know. Well, imagine yeah. if you did and all of a sudden it was like if you did one of those George Costanza ones from Seinfeld. Remember where he's like on the couch and like the underwear? He's like, ah. people like kids, college kids had it on their wall. Like and then like imagine if you did that, though, and like all of a sudden we I, this thing blew up. I, I think I'm too old to become a, a trend, uh, an influencer. Oh, or a trend that's no, we're not. No, You're not. We are. We're going to do this. Me and you. All right. All right. And Todd, it's hard to find Todd's people coming along for the ride. I'm, too. I'm here to support. I, I tell I'm, people I'm my, yeah, I tell people my age, we're doing a podcast. I'm like a pod. What? <laughs> like, it's like a radio show. I don't have time to sit down and watch that. No, no, like a radio show, you know, like, you know, and try to explain it, but. You should, you should follow that up by being like, yeah, and you should totally check out my TikTok because it's like slamming right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, right. You know, right. you're you're lucky, Todd, because you're you're almost off the hook here because we are running out of time. No pun intended. No pun intended. Off oh, the, the hook. The, uh, I see what you did Damn. there by accident. I didn't even know. Dude, Golf we're clap. like a Golf like, clap. <laughs> seriously, we're like that volleyball team. Set, spike. No, nice. we don't even bump. Um, all right, so Todd. So what did we miss? Well, we haven't. We've missed a lot, but here's the nice thing: is we, we can always have you back sometime. You we know, didn't make fun of the little fields yet, though. Well, you, you want to do that do quick? That? Come on, yeah. go ahead. What do you got? Give us a good story. What do you There's got? Russell and Kirk. One. I mean, you could do like a ten-part series on Russell and Kirk. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I still Bobby. need propane delivered sometimes. Oh yeah, that's true. So go ahead. I've, that's so true. I've been in cahoots with Russell trying to get Everett. 
uh, on the show as a guest. I think he'd be That great. would be, th- there's your Emmy right there. There's your epic, yeah. epic episode. So now that we're finally getting vaccinated, you know, yes. that this is being recorded at the end of a pandemic, you know, we're, we're hoping that, you know, we didn't want to endanger, um, you know, the older population. So he's, but, he's a, he's a treasure. Yeah. We, um, I went over to the island a couple of years ago to do some deer hunting and we ended up in Kirk's basement, you know, doing some butchering and Everett was down there. And, you know, I mean, I've known, I guess Everett's known me since I was a baby. My entire life, I've known him. We were down there kind practically of... Practically next-door neighbors. Uh, practically next-door neighbors. Close. Yeah. Right down the road. Yep. Anyway. I mean, I worked for them when I was younger, driving the propane truck. You know, I've known Vern Dog forever. See, and, we asked him what he did. He didn't... Now, all of a sudden, he was a bar back yeah. pulling staples at Captain... I mean, at See, a he's one of those Block Island guys. Uh, that he deals the cards out. Yeah. Slowly. He's not letting it all out. As soon as we're done, to make sure he comes back, he's like, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you this and this yeah, and this, but yeah. no, it's good. Yeah, we all sit there in the basement doing our thing, and after about 20 minutes, Everett looks at me and goes, who are you? <laughs> I said, Everett, Todd, Todd Carrere. Huh? I said, Todd Carrere, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, how you doing? Good to see you, boy. <laughs> like, well, I've been here the whole time, but that's, you know, that's all right. I don't have much of an ego, so I'm not going to take that too personally. No. As, and I should be clear that my lovely wife and I did buy some property on the island this summer. Oh, oh good. Congratulations. did you? We did. Yes, that's um, awesome. We did. We bought it through the town. It's uh, it's two plots. It's six feet deep. Oh, it's up on the, <laughs> it's up on the back part. Yes. <laughs> and uh, that nice gentleman from the highway Aww. department took us up to the corner and showed us some plots. And Mr. And, Michael Shea. Yes. yes. Yeah. And, and now, um, now you have the island's first vampire Airbnb. Uh, well, the only issue <laughs> it's not a bad idea, was right. Think about it. We uh we found a spot we liked, but it's uh, Kirk and Russell's spots. And I said, listen, I've been tortured by these bastards my entire life. I'm not spending eternity next to Kirk Littlefield. So we wedged the the deal over a little bit. So I'll be next to Verna and Everett. Oh, good. All so right. I'm yeah. closer to, you know. There'll be your buffer. Right. I can't, yeah. be, I can't be between Kirk and Russell for, you know, uh, millennia. I can't. It's, oh, it's too much. For, the, for all eternity. Right. I yeah, spent 10 yeah. minutes there and I was ready to get out, you know, <laughs> between Kirk and Russell. Russell is one of the most talented people you'll ever meet. Oh yeah. And he's, you know, he's one of those people where if that computer didn't work right now, he'll He'll figure it out. He'll, or smash it. Yeah. Yeah. He'll figure it out and then he'll rebuild it. (laughs) Right. Right. He's just one of those. He is one of those, uh, always thinking. And Kirk's the kind of guy where like, you know, like when I had the, uh, when I was running the Mohegan cafe, our walk-in would go down. Yep. Kirk has the, uh, rolling, on we freezer the trailer yeah, right yeah and i'd call kirk and like you know oh kirk oh my god man it's the middle of july my walking is down it's gonna be a week he's like no problem he's like make some room i'll back it up so he drops his freezer off for like a week and then i'm like thank you how what do i owe you he goes nothing that's Kirk. Yeah. he's like just kirk. he's like make a donation to the basketball team or the school that's kirk like, all the way done i think yeah. you know some people might say what's Kirk's favorite thing to do. And they might talk about hunting or whatever, raising pigs and killing slaughter and stuff. Uh, but I think his favorite thing to do is to help people. He really will. He, he'll drop whatever he's doing yeah. to help you. Yes, you he know? will. I think between the two of them, you know, and God, we were supposed to be picking on him and now we're being really nice. Well, don't get me wrong. He'll bust your balls oh, the totally. entire time. Yeah. He's doing something nice for yeah. you. He, yeah. I won't let you forget what an idiot you are for getting in the situation. <laughs> in the first place. In all you the know? ways you could have prevented this. It starts real nice. Like, yeah, happy yeah. to lend you the walk-in. <laughs> You know, if you just clean that old compressor once every 10 years, it might not have broken. But between the two of them, I'd say you have 100% problem solving. 100%. Yes. You know, they kind of both cover 
they, they cover both everything you know between the two of them and, and you'll I'll, I'll get that i'll call one or the other and he'll be like yeah yeah i can do this but you know what let me give kirk a call and get yeah. him over there to do that you know but that comes with the caveat that the shenanigans between those two guys when we grew up <sighs> there's all kinds of material like if he did, if he said i i don't think i can give you the walk-in i could give you 20 stories or he'd say oh yeah i'll run that right over we don't want to talk about that again so there's lots of material to keep them in line yeah yeah you know? yeah yeah, there's lots of um, <laughs> lots of stories of. My Don't God, imagine if we got both of them on at the same time on the podcast. Oof, my head might explode. Yeah, but bring apart the old, uh, like Actually, the old scavenger hunts. We'd probably oh. ask them a question and they'd sit there and just look at. Each, they wouldn't even answer. They just they look at each other like yeah, yeah. telepathically. They can. I was gonna say that that you can tell that they very different, very different personalities. But you can tell that they just know what the other one's thinking all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Well, you know what I'm thinking about? A lightning round. Nice. What do you think? I think it's about that Uh time. Todd, we do this thing with all of our guests called the lightning round. Okay. It's pretty simple. We're just going to throw some questions at you. Very simple. And you just shoot your answer back. Should I be be nervous? Absolutely. That's your choice. But I wouldn't be if I were you. Okay. You can pass. You can quit. You know, whatever. We don't, you know. It's not, there's nothing to live yeah, and die nothing, by here. Yeah, nothing, nothing. These are easy. Once again, statue of limitations. I'll kick it off. Okay. All right, you ready? First thing that pops in your head. What's your favorite day of the week? Sunday. How do you feel about cranberry sauce? Messy. Camping or swag hotel? Camping. Traditional or memory foam? Missionary. Oop. Oh, oop. Wait. <laughs> My bad. I don't, okay. <clears throat> we'll take that as an answer. Missionary. Uh, <laughs> all right in elmo's voice oh i lost my place hold on in elmo's voice how do you like your coffee that's a really weird question <laughs> elmo's that purple yeah, green yeah. thing the, yeah. the, the, the high that's it all right yeah. how do you like your coffee in a mug <laughs> <laughs> oh for the rest of your life you can only have one kind of seafood what is it Spaghetti. L.A. or New York? New York. All right. I have one last oh. question. Favorite Grateful Dead keyboard player? Uh, Pigpen. You're a Pigpen Rod all the way. All right. All the way. Fair enough. I, oh. did, uh, I did watch Brent Midland sing to his child with his child sitting on the piano. You were at the that's Midwest. a famous picture. Yeah. Uh, Wisconsin, maybe. Wow. Um, and he sang to his child with the kids sitting on the on the piano. That was pretty cool. Nobody, of course, then he went free based and you know, speedballed and died a few years later. But yeah. you know, which he was is, a good one though. He was he good to play. You know, as a non Grateful Dead fan, I'm going to say what I take on the Grateful Dead people as a as a whole. It's almost like a college because I run into so many different people at so many different levels in the world that were all went to hundreds of dead shows and they've then they, then you kind of graduate and go out and do your thing and they're very you know just like 100 people that went to the same college and one's the ceo of this the other guy does something you know oyster farm or and something you know, you know ironically my my family owned the neptune and uncle vinnie and aunt Meredith ran the neptune they had a guy a, a cook named jim thurston and Jim Thurston, well, I don't know where he is now in Vermont somewhere. I haven't seen him in a million years. He's the guy that got me into the dead because back before internet and all that, we used to trade cassette tapes. And I still have my card catalog box that Jim got me started on. You'd write the show down and the date and the set list. And then you put an ad in the back of Relics Magazine say, oh, geez, I'm, you know, I'm missing San Francisco 12, 1473. Anybody got one? And, you, you know, somebody would mail it to you. 
And Jim Thurston got me my first tickets for Saratoga Springs, New York. Oh, wow. And that's, I mean, that's right from Block Island. That's classic Block Island connection. Absolutely. He's like, sure, man, I'll take care of you. Hey, man. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, we uh, we are out of time. So, unfortunately, we got to wrap it up. But maybe you'll come back as a guest again because I'm starting to feel like there's some stuff under the surface. Yeah. We barely scratch. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, thank you for listening. Hope you're still enjoying our podcast. Share with your friends if you are. Tell them, please listen to our podcast. Uh, if you enjoy it, they might enjoy it too. You can reach out to us with. Uh, Info, questions, anything you'd like. Our email address is twoguysonbi at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on all of your favorite social media outlets. And uh, please, if you listen to us on Apple or uh, Spotify, subscribe to the podcast for crying out loud. Do something, will you? And I think that's about it, right, for today? Uh, Yeah, I'm positive because I remember everything because I did not follow the Grateful Dead. Yeah, I feel like I'm leaving a bunch of things out. Like <laughs> I've seen four dead shows, actual Grateful Dead. Um, so yeah, I'm probably only toast. four. Did you hear that? Did we leave anything four. out? I don't know. I think we're good. We're I was supposed to tell you out. Glenn Hole dropped me in Town Hole Pond. I was supposed to tell you about that one, but I didn't get to it. In my new work boots in third grade, that was very distressing in my life. I didn't get to that point. All right, we're going to book those, bookmark those for the next yeah, time you come to visit. Like I'm still this. mad about it. It was my new. You he know, made me hang off the bridge at Town Hall at the end of Milltail, and I. He's like, hang on, and then let go, and I'll catch you. Okay, Glenn, <laughs> you're a year older than me. Awesome. And then, you know, I fell in the pond. <laughs> still, still All right. Well, that wraps it up for this week. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks again. See ya. Hey, Rich. Yeah? You want to go listen to some Grateful Dead bootlegs I got? Um, as long as it's the San Francisco show from 67 without the third guitar player. Yeah. Is that what I'm supposed to kind totally. of say? Here, just uh, here, eat the sugar cube first. Okay. Thanks. Ah. Well,